Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 3 called Job's Darkness. We are going to look at Job's darkness. Uh, This is Job chapter 3. And uh, Job has been a pillar of faith for all of us. We, you know, a lot of us who have ever heard about the book of Job, studied the book of Job, we celebrate the passages that, you know, Job worships in the midst of difficulty and naked I came into the world and naked I'm going to leave it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that birthed the song that we, many of us know, you give and take away. You know, my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. That came right out of the book of Job, right? And then Satan said, well, okay, you, you allowed me to take away everything that he had, his estate, his family, and everything, but let me add him, skin for skin, all that a man has, he will give in exchange for his life. You let me touch him. You let me get to him, to his health, to his person, and he'll surely curse you to your face. And so God says, go, he is in your power, but you cannot take his life. And Satan went at Job now directly. This wasn't weather. It wasn't the Sabians or a people group. It was Satan inflicting directly upon Job boils, oozing boils from the bottom of his feet to the crown of his head. And we saw a picture of Job where he is sitting on the ash heap, of the probably what is the dump outside the city where they would burn trash and they would have the ashes and they would have broken pottery there. And Job has a piece of broken pottery and he's scraping probably the pus of those boils and he's just sitting there. And his wife comes to him, remember, as one remaining family member and she doesn't have so, so, such encouraging words for him. And it's almost like, you know, does, it's like the final blow into his heart. Like, can, a, can the guy, can a guy suffer anymore? And then we read about his three friends and they hear about his calamity and they, they organize uh, together and they come to, to greet him. And it's probably been weeks since everything has happened. Word had to get to them, then they had to organize and they had to come to Job and they come to Job and they sat there and nobody spoke a word for seven days and seven nights. That's where we've come so far. That's a quick recap. Now, seven days in the Bible is a period of time that was used for mourning. So sometimes when uh, you've heard about seven-day wedding feasts, well, seven days also was used in some cases for mourning or to memorialize a person or to mourn over them. And it may well be, and there's a few uh, scriptures that I have in my notes uh, from 1 Samuel and one other place, but it doesn't say that it was silence. It says that they mourned for seven days, but it doesn't say they were, that there was silence. And there's other places where the mourning actually took place for longer. So the silence was an interesting thing, and we, we began to try to make some comments about, okay, well, how do we minister to people when they've gone through a tragedy? And sometimes... You know, we just need to be with people. And we talked about some different lessons that we could learn about when someone's gone through a tragedy. How do we best minister to that person? What do we say? What don't we say? You know, all of those things. And we learned some lessons last week. That was the end of chapter two. And I mentioned to you that the seven days of silence, um, 
you know, while commendable and maybe even an ancient practice could have been a bit weird for Job because nobody was saying anything. And it's one thing to be quiet for a little time, but seven days of silence, you know, that's, that's a long time. And it turns out that Job chapter 3 is Job breaking the silence. He's the one that talks first, and maybe that's appropriate. <laughs> maybe the person that's mourning is the person that should be talking first. Let's pray. Lord, as we get into Job's darkness, probably the darkest chapter in the whole book of Job, we just pray that you would show us what you have for us tonight. Because if we're not in a dark place tonight, we will be, or we have been, and we can all relate to this, Lord, in one way or another. Or we may be trying to minister to someone who's in a dark place. Whatever it may be, we know there's lessons that you have for us tonight. This chapter is in the Bible for a reason. The Holy Spirit breathed it out, so we want to take it in. So we just have open hearts to what you would say to us tonight. Equip us to be more like you, to have your heart in all things that we do. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Afterward, Job 3.1, that is after the seven days at the end of chapter 2, as they didn't speak, Job breaks the silence. Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth, and Job said. Now, Satan had said to God, if you allow me at him, he will surely curse you to your face. And then Job's wife became a mouthpiece for the enemy, sadly, and said, curse God and die. Another temptation, another barb that came at Job. And Job did not. He corrected his wife lovingly, but straightforwardly. He said, you're speaking as one of the foolish women. Should we accept good things from God and not adversity? And in all these things, Job did not sin, nor did he curse God. And in chapter 3, he will not curse God as well. But he will do something that is very human and very, uh, I think, apropos of anybody who's ever been through deep emotion, deep trial, where you're asking questions. And this is considered, uh, from verse 3 on, Hebrew poetry. So there's some, what we might call, uh, figures of speech and exaggeration that have to be taken into account. And just for you Bible students, this is why you don't use Job or Ecclesiastes necessarily to make doctrinal uh, positions on because some of what happens in Ecclesiastes is Solomon, who is looking at life from the perspective of a man who's really disfellowship with God. Some, somewhere along the way, because of his choices, he's far away from God and he's looking at life essentially without God. So a lot of the statements that he makes in Ecclesiastes are not statements that you want to build doctrine on, as well as you have to consider this when you study the book of Job. Job is going to give what writers would call a soliloquy. He's going to give a speech, but it's not necessarily to his friends, and it's not even necessarily spoken to God. It is a speech, but it could be a speech just for him talking to himself. Have you ever been there before where you gave a speech to yourself and you ran through all the why questions and you'd never maybe speak the speech to someone else or maybe you would just speak it to your closest friends, but 
That's kind of what Job is doing here. And it starts out that he doesn't curse God. That's what the enemy said he would do. Satan essentially guaranteed he would, but he did not. But he did curse the day of his birth. From my notes. Job 3 is a reminder that any believer can hit a very dark low. Job will cry out from the agony and depths of his soul. This writer says, a true Christian believer may be taken by God through times of deep and dark despair. This may happen to a man or a woman who is affirmed by God as a believer before the darkness. He or she may be taken through this darkness even though he or she has not fallen into sin or backslidden from faith in Jesus Christ. This is a very important truth. What we have to understand is that in our humanity, sometimes when we're trying to make sense of deep, profound, mysterious things, we can have dialogue with ourselves that doesn't necessarily mean that we've sinned or we've backslidden or we don't believe in God anymore. It just means that we're asking some deep, hard questions. And that is okay. I think the Psalms allow for that. Sometimes David largely, most, most of the Psalms are credited to David, will take us on journeys where he says, my tears have been my food day and night, where, when they say, where is your God? And my God, my God, Psalm 22, why have you forsaken me? And David on the run, and David asking questions, and David sometimes praying that God would break people's teeth, and, and you're like, really? Are you supposed to pray that way? I don't know. Anyway, and... But then he'll come back and he'll even do some self-talk like, why are you in despair, oh my soul? Put your hope in God, Psalm 42. So sometimes we have to just do that. Sometimes we have to acknowledge, you know what? I don't get it, Lord. I don't know what you're doing. I'm struggling. And look, Job curses the day that he was born. That's, you know you're at a bummer place when that happens, right? When you, when you make a statement like, I wish I had never been born. Wow. But maybe you've done that before. Maybe you've looked back and, and, and that's where you've been. The word complaint will be used in the book of Job. Uh, I read a story about Charles Spurgeon. He was the prince of pe- preachers back in the day. Eloquent, witty, uh, deep. Some of you have read Spurgeon's uh, Um, devotionals, and you know how deep he was. And at one point, he says, he gets news that there's a woman down the street from him that has cancer, and he's in a funk. He's in a deep place. He's in a depression. And they say of Spurgeon that he went through times of depression. And he gets news of this woman who's joyfully dealing with a cancer battle. And he says, here I am. As far as I know, I'm healthy. I'm paraphrasing. And this woman, I hear a report of this woman who's joyfully facing her battle with cancer. And I'm miserable, sitting on my bed, and there's nothing essentially wrong with me. And then he looks at himself and says, or he says to a friend, what's wrong with me? Now that's Spurgeon. (laughs) That's when preachers say, you know, Spurgeon used to sit in his study and he would write something and crumple it up and start over again. I heard Alistair Begg say, I wish I just had some of those crumpled up pieces of paper. Because Spurgeon was deep. That's who we're talking about, friends. And David went through that and other Bible characters have gone through that. And so let's not lose sight of the fact. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. When preachers say, you know, Spurgeon used to sit in his study and he would write something and crumple it up and start over again, I heard Alistair Begg say, I wish I just had some of those crumpled up pieces of paper, because Spurgeon was deep. That's who we're talking about, friends. And David went through that, and other Bible characters have gone through that. And so let's not lose sight of the fact that our heroes of the Bible, as much as we laud Job for, you know, uh, I'm going to praise the Lord. Naked I came into the world. Naked I'm going to leave it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And correcting his wife, and he doesn't sin against God. Look, the rest of the book's going to give you an insight into Job, and Job's got a lot of questions. And he's going to complain, and he's going to question. And he doesn't do what Satan said he would do, but Job has a lot of things that he struggles with, and you may as well. See, if you're going to take the whole book of Job, then you've got to take chapters 1 and 2 with the rest of it as well, where there are questions. And we have questions. Just like Shane said earlier, we have questions about how God works and when he heals and when he doesn't and all that stuff. Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Look, if you're going to live this life and live it authentically, there's going to be times when you feel like crying and times when you're laughing. There's going to be times when you feel like mourning and times when you feel like dancing. And that's going to be appropriate. And sometimes it's going to happen in one day. (laughs) Can I get a witness? Anybody ever done all of those things in one day? You laughed one moment, you cried the next. You're mourning one moment, maybe you're over a news report, and then you, maybe you got some good news, or you went to an event, and you danced, and that's just life. So Job has been an incredible model of faith, but now it's all boiled over. Now he's waited perhaps for weeks, sitting there, dealing, look, Everything that, that's bad, all that, the trial that has happened to Job, nothing else bad's going to happen to him that gets recorded here. So he's faced the onslaught. But some of you are thinking, well, what else could go wrong with the guy? He's lost everything, right? Even his wife 
threw the barb at him. You know, what more could he lose? But for the rest of the book, he won't. There's no more losses. However, he is still suffering. He's still suffering with the uh, physical ailments that he's been, the blow that's come to him from Satan. He's still struggling emotionally. He's struggling with grieving, uh, trying to make sense of his trial. This is Job's, if I could put it this way, his dark night. But Job's story will get better. At the end of the book, he is restored. And you have to keep that in mind when you read these early chapters. Because when we go through trials, see if this resonates with you. Sometimes it feels like our trials will never end. And when you are in a trial, whether it's physical suffering or emotional distress or whatever you face, oftentimes in the midst of that trial, if it's gone on for a while or even if it's been a short stint, it can feel like your trial is never going to end. And can I say to you, all trials do end one way or the other, right? So be of good cheer. You are in God's capable hands and God is working all things together for what? For good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. He is conforming us into the image of Jesus and to do so, he uses trials in our lives. I cannot tell you I understand the why, and I don't understand often even the what. But I know God has made promises to you and to me that he is good and that his intentions for us are good. If you want the scriptures on the seven days of mourning, Genesis 50 verse 10 and 1 Samuel 31 13. Job curses the day of his birth. And he said, let the day perish, Job 3.3, on which I was to be born. And the night which said a boy is conceived. May that day be darkness. Let not God above care for it, nor light shine on it. Notice God's name is there. Job is, is not turned away from the faith. He knows God is there. He knows even God is behind what has happened. But his tone has changed. Whereas he was strong in chapter 1, whereas he corrected his wife and talked about accepting good and adversity from God, don't be foolish, chapter 2, now in chapter 3, the floodgates open. And could it be that Job sets the tone for his friend's comments? See, in chapters 1 and 2, we laud him, we applaud him. Well done, Job. You're a model, a pillar of faith. But in chapter 3, he's the first one to speak. And then the rest of the book is a back and forth between him and his friends and speeches that are recorded that give us some insight into, uh, you know, life and all of that. But sometimes, here's an application point. The way we respond to a trial sets the tone for our friends and family. And I know that some of you could say, there's been times when I faced a trial and I faced it faith-filled as a believer and I had a good attitude and uh, I set the tone and it was pretty good. But there's been other times when I was just in a terrible place and I was walking around whining and complaining and woe is me and why is me and woe to, and the people and the places and, and man... 
You know, we tend to jump on board with whatever direction things are moving. Have you ever noticed? When someone actually, like, I have a neighbor that does this all the time. I'll, he'll ask me something, and we'll, we'll have a dialogue a little bit, and I'll say something, and it won't be, like, the most positive thing, and then he'll bring a positive spin on it. I'm like, man, John, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I'm glad you think that. Have you ever noticed that someone can just all of a sudden turn something in a positive way and you're like, yeah, you know, I wanted to go all the way down pity lane. Why couldn't you go with me? Okay, we're going to make the right turn right now. You know, and and we can choose some of that. But I am not going to blame Job for what he goes through right now. And so remember, some of this is uh, from verse three is poetry. But Job's opening salvo is, let the day of my birth die. Let it be erased from the record. It would appear that this family regularly celebrated, perhaps even birthdays. We, we surmise that it could have been birthdays or harvest celebrations. Regularly, they got together. But Job says, let's not do that anymore. Don't celebrate the day of my birth anymore. Now, some of you are right there because you don't want to celebrate birthdays anymore, Right? Some of you are like, we're like, uh, what are you doing for your birthday? And you're like, uh, I don't want to talk about it. What do you mean you don't want to talk about it? Uh, I'm not acknowledging birthdays any longer. I stopped at uh, 39. Now, some of you know that I came up here and I told you my wife and I were celebrating a 29th wedding anniversary on Sunday and appreciate your encouragement and all. You know that we got married when we were 10, right? She was a child bride. I was, it was an f- arranged marriage. We were 10. No, just kidding. We weren't. We were, we were 12. Anyway. <laughs> Have you ever had a really bad birthday? Have you ever just had one of those ones that just went south, man? And like maybe people forgot about your birthday or maybe you thought that the plans would be a little bit more grandiose, a uh, little bit more... And then all of a sudden, birthday didn't go too well. And you're like, man, that, that's a bummer. Well, Job says, I want the day of my birth to perish. I want it to go out of existence. I want it to die. In fact, I want the night of my conception, verse 3, end of the verse, when somebody said a boy is conceived when the pregnancy test was affirmative and it would be a normal time of joy, I want that day to be, to perish. I want it to be considered a day of darkness. I don't even want God to acknowledge it. I don't want any light light to shine on it. I want it gone. Now this is the darkest chapter in the book of Job. You've been listening to Job's Darkness, Part 1 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job, Chapter 3. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I just wanted to let you know that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God. Your financial gifts help us broadcast on radio, do the podcast, and our free apologetic events throughout the year. If you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a word.
Well, we've been hearing through the whole COVID crisis that suicide rates are not only skyrocketing, but they're going to younger and younger ages. And Job had moments like this where he was like, man, I wish I was never conceived. I wish I was never born. Maybe you've had thoughts like that. You know, maybe you've had a thought cross your mind. Maybe the world would be better off if I weren't here. That's that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God loves you, has a plan for you. And even though you don't get what's going on right now, and maybe you find your place in a, yourself in a real place of darkness, remember, light can come in the morning. Sometimes unexpectedly, things shift and change. And God is good. Hang on, my friend. He loves you and he's going to see you through this. Well, hey, if you need a church home to come and worship, we'd love to invite you if you're anywhere near the Inland Empire. I get to serve a senior pastor at a church called Living Truth in Corona. We do a 10 a.m. service on Sunday mornings. We're right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. And we'd love for you to come out. We'd love for you to experience the worship and the teaching through the book of Exodus right now. A lot of enthusiasm and passion going on here at this fellowship. The Lord is on the move and we're excited. Hey, you can get driving directions when you download the Living Truth app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars. I would love to meet you. And uh, if you bring your family, I'd love to meet them. So come on out, 10 o'clock, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. Get all the info when you go to walkintruth.com. God bless you. Have a great weekend. And join us on Monday for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 3 about Job's darkness. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, have an awesome weekend. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.